Now, I want to share with you this morning what I think is one of the most powerful passages in the book. In the passage, we're going to find a certain verse that I always thought was the most powerful. I found it as a young preacher. February, third Sunday of February of 1952. I'd been invited to speak at a national conference. To me, it was a great honor. It'd be the first time for a college student to speak at a national meeting. Of course, I'd started a church. God had blessed it. We were already running over 200 at the end of nine months. I had a daily radio broadcast. I'd been invited to speak. It came time for me to get ready for the trip to Jacksonville, Florida to speak at that meeting. That Sunday, I taught my Sunday school class. I had about, well, always had a little over 100 in my class. And then I preached in the morning service. I was to be gone for a week, so I had to prepare seven radio messages. I went out to the radio station, took my singers with me. I prepared and preached seven messages for my radio broadcast. Now, my broadcast was a prophetic type program. I was booked between two famous news commentators, Morgan C. Beatty and, uh, well, I've forgotten the other, but they were famous in their day. And I had a 15-minute slot right between the two commentators. Morgan C. Beatty and H. Uh, Caltonborn was the other. And so I developed a message on the Bible analysis of the news. And I'd take the daily news and I'd explain what it, where you'd find it in the Bible and some things about prophecy. Well, I'd, I preached nine times before the evening service. Came time for the evening service, I didn't have a message. Now, after you've preached nine times, you're pretty well worn out. And I didn't have a message. My song leader, Reuben Jackson was his name, fine young preacher, was leading the singing. Got down to the last verse of the last song. Got down to the chorus, last chorus. And I still didn't have a message. Now, I'd been looking through the Bible trying to find a message, and I'd put a paper clip in several passages, but I just didn't seem to find a message in it. And finally he said, now, our pastor with the evening message. Man, that's Panicsville. When you don't have a message and it's time for you to preach. Oh. The Lord laid something on my heart. I got up behind the pulpit and I said, now, folks, I'm not going to preach tonight. I've already preached nine times today. I just don't have a message. And what I'm going to do is read you a little passage out of the Bible. We'll have prayer. And I'll begin my journey and you can go home. And so I gave them a little passage. It goes like this. And it came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon, and bade him thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. 
Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Peter, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. Peter answered and said, Lord, or Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they came and filled both the ships, so that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at the great draught of fishes that they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Takes about a minute and a half to read it. And I did. I said, okay, now let's stand for prayer. And I thought, you know, I've never had a service without an invitation. But I'd never had a service where I hadn't preached. And so the Lord laid something on my heart. And that's the way it works. The Lord doesn't speak to you. He just lays things on your heart. And I said, now, folks, we'll not have an invitation tonight unless there's someone here who would like for us to give an invitation so you can join the church or something. A lady back in the back raised her hand. I called Reuben. We had an invitation. We had 12 additions to the church and seven of them were saved. And I hadn't preached a lick. But you know what I found? I found the power of God's word. It's not by power nor might, but by my word, saith the Lord. It's not getting up and preaching a great orator or something like that. It's not pounding the pulpit or stomping your feet or running around. It's the word of God. And I learned that lesson as a young preacher. You can trust everything this word says. Now, in that passage, I have some six different messages. Already have preached one here, probably years ago, on launching out into the deep. And I seem to think that was it. But you know, there are other parts of that passage that are so important. The Lord said to Simon, launch out deep into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said, Master, we've toiled all the night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. Now, it was singular. He wasn't going to let down all the nets because he knew what the Lord was asking him to do wouldn't work. You don't fish with a net in deep water. You don't fish in the daytime with a net in deep water. You see, in the daytime, fish go down. At night, they come up to feed. So, Peter said, well, we've, we've toiled all night. We haven't had any luck, but we'll go out in the deep water and we'll let down the net. It was the fact that Peter said, at thy word, sometimes we need to listen to what God wants us to do. Talks to us in our heart. You know, it's time we join the church. You're here today, and you're not a member of this church. You've thought about it, perhaps. Maybe the Lord's trying to speak to your heart, and he's 
saying, you know, you need a church home. If you have a church home, you're going to have a little bit better life. The Lord loved the church, gave himself for it. He's the head of the church. You ought to be a part of a local church. You'll find you'll do more. Well, he said, at, at thy word, I'll do it. So maybe the Lord's speaking to you. Just like the Bible says, come unto me and you'll no, be in no wise cast out. He wants you to do it. Somebody here this morning, you've never made that wonderful decision about salvation. I was saved in 1941, the city of Chicago, about 9.30 at night. I had never been to church before. Didn't know anything about it. But I heard a man preach, and it sounded so good. I wasn't happy the way I was going. I'd already run away from home once. My dad had picked me up and said, now next time, just tell me where you want to go, and I'll buy you a one-way ticket, but you don't come back. When I was 13, I said, Dad, I'm ready to go. He bought me a one-way ticket from Los Angeles to Chicago, and I left. Well, it was there in Chicago. I'd found my mother there. I had an address, and I thought, well, that's a good place to start. I found that she had married again. He was sort of a religious nut. I didn't care much for him. <laughs> One day he came through the room and he said, hey, Buckshot, want to go with me? Yeah, I'll go with you. Got on the streetcar on Wabash Avenue in Chicago, riding along. Where are we going? We're going to a revival. Never been in a revival. Never been in church. I'd never, I don't know as I'd ever seen a Bible. But I heard a man get up and took this book and he preached about how you could start your life over again if you wanted to. I wasn't happy the way I was going. When I was 12 years old, I'd already learned how to make counterfeit money. Wow. Hell, I had a, my dad's cousin got out of the Florence prison in Arizona, came and moved in with us and he taught me how to make artificial money. Coins made me a mold where I could melt metal and cash coins. And in, in Los Angeles, you could put them in the slot machines and sometimes get out some good money that you could use, you know. <laughs> but uh, I was headed in the wrong direction, had a group of fellows. You know, I was fighting on the streets. I was mean. I mean, I was headed in the wrong direction. I'd been raised in the All-Nation Boys Club in Los Angeles, and they put us in the ring fighting one another. I was, you know, that was my life. But I tell you, fighting's not fun. You can get hurt. And, you know, my dad told me, he said, now, son, don't ever lose. You always fight to win. If you can't, if you see that you're outnumbered or bigger, grab a club, equalizer. And, of course... You probably folks wouldn't know what nooks were, but we, I had them, maybe some of the kids today, but back in those days, that was an artificial thing. You put your fingers in, had a piece of metal, and you hit somebody, it would hurt. Well, I'd been hit, I'd hurt too. And so it sounded good to me. Start over again, he said, God will forgive you of everything you've ever done. Everything. And you can start over, and it's just like, a book with blank sheets and God will only start writing after you're saved from that point on. Everything else is forgiven. 
And then if you do something wrong, all you have to do is ask him, he'll forgive you. And so you can have a better life. Sounded so good, I went forward. I remember my words, I prayed. Nobody dealt with me because the way I was dressed. Black leather jacket, black leather gloves, Gestapo type cap, 1941. Oh, listen. They were afraid to even talk to me. And I, the only thing religious I knew was when I saw in the movies, when you prayed, you always put your hands together and you always looked up and opened, your eyes were wide open. Well, I did it. Put my hands together, looked up, eyes wide open. I said, Lord, I'm a lost sheep and I want you to save me. And he did. He must have preached on the lost sheep or something. But I knew that I, I wasn't happy the way I was going. Well, maybe God's speaking to you today about that. Maybe something, maybe it's you need to launch out into the deep and say, I've never tried that. I'll guarantee you, the book says that when you come to him, not only will you in no wise be cast out, but he's going to change your life. You'll become a new creature of creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Did you know it was only about two weeks later I was in another state, across the street from a pretty little girl. I never will forget I saw her coming down the hill on a bicycle. And she came into her front yard and went into that house across the street. I went across the street and knocked on the door. Now remember, I've been in Los Angeles and Chicago. Now I'm not bashful. And I went in, knocked on the door, and she opened the door and I said, how about a date? <laughs> Shocked her. Shocked her. And she stumbled around and said, well, you could take me to church Sunday. And I did, and I have been ever since, over 70 years now. Talked to her yesterday. Amen. You see, when you come to God, not only does He change your life, but He changes everything in it. And you'll look back and say, oh, I'll never forget that day when that old, almost 90-year-old preacher talked about how God would change your life, and I walked forward and got on my knees and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I want you to save me. You do that today, and you'll look back. It'll be one of the most wonderful experiences you've ever had. Well, there are other parts of that passage. I like the one where it says, And they forsook all and followed him. Forsook all. I was working for Montgomery Ward. After World War II, I was in the Navy flying for the Navy in World War II for four years. After the war, I, a week after I got out, I started my own business. I went to a company that was selling things all over the state of Arkansas. And I, I talked them into letting me set up a business taking care of everything they sold. I could repair the television, the radio, the washing machines, the refrigerator, I kind of had a gift mechanically, and I said, I'll fix everything you got. And they did it. And I fixed the things, and Montgomery Ward hired me away from them and said, now, we'll give you a choice of four or five stores where you can manage yourself. And so I wound up in Gainesville, Texas, 
and it was the poorest store they had, and it was on a 90-day uh, period, uh, either they succeeded or they failed. And so I had a good time there, but I got into this little church, only had 18 people in the first service, was meeting in a abandoned hotel, the lobby of the Hotel Lindsay. They advertised revival in the lobby of the Hotel Lindsay. I'd never heard of anything like that, a revival in a hotel lobby. But I went, and I heard a preacher again. Let me tell you, when you preach this book, and the people react, it works, just like the book says, just like the choir sang about this morning. And so I heard this preacher, Dr. Lester Singleton, on Monday night I went. Wednesday I took my wife. He preached again. I took her by the hand and said, let's join. We joined the church. On Friday, he preached again. I couldn't go every night, but on Friday, he preached again. And I surrendered my life to preach the, the gospel. You see, God had been laying something upon my heart, but I had a good job. They flew two men down from Chicago and offered to double my salary and give me 13 states if I would stay with Montgomery Ward. Boy, that was a temptation. But you know, God had called. Maybe you're here and you feel that call from God. Nothing in this world is worth denying the call. Maybe you're here this morning. See, I'm about to go off the scene. We've got to have others coming up taking our place. And maybe that's the one, maybe God has you. And you need to surrender. I don't care how old you are. I had a man surrender to preach when he was 65. In Fresno, California, Joshua would remember him. Eugene Bishop was his name. We started a mission across town from him. He got up to 300 in the mission. Age is not the thing. If God's calling you, Maybe you ought to forsake everything else and say, Lord, I don't care about the other things. You're calling. I'm going to say yes. I'll guarantee you he's going to take care of you. All these years, God's given me so many things. Airplanes I've flown, motorhomes I've driven, churches to preach in. You surrender your life. Do like these men did. They just said, okay, just, we'll leave the ships. I can almost hear somebody on the shore saying, hey, you guys, come on back. Sell the fish. You'll have enough to be self-supporting for a year. I can hear Peter saying, he gave us the fish, he can take care of us. And he can. They forsook all. They didn't, take, they didn't waste any time. They said yes. They didn't think about it anymore. Just enough. Maybe God's speaking to your heart about service. You see, there's so many things that this book has for you. Maybe you need to drive a bus. Your pastor had to drive a bus this morning because there was no driver for a bus. There's a need for bus drivers. Well, I can't do that. Maybe you can. Launch out into the deep. Give it a try. Something you've never done before. That's what Peter did. Something he had never done before. But he went out and let down the net. Boy, what results. Maybe God wants you. There's a great need for workers in every church. And maybe God's wanting you to be one of those workers. Now, in this passage of Scripture, 
I just read it to the church, gave an invitation, and because of what the Bible said, launch out, forsake all, something you've never done before, and launching out, at thy word, if that's what you want, Lord, I'll do it. I don't know what God's speaking to you about, touching your heart about something. Maybe this ought to be that day, a day you'll never forget if you'll say yes to God.